the Bible with you, whether it be uh, uh, in digital form or in paper form, please turn to Luke chapter 8, the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there and be ready. For the last number of weeks, we have been looking at face-to-face encounters that people had with Jesus, particularly out of the Gospel of Luke. Face-to-face encounters people had with Jesus. In his earthly ministry, as he continued ministering throughout this region, he would come, or people would come face-to-face with Jesus They would see him, they would interact, and as I have shared before, every time they had the opportunity, not always did it happen, but every time they had the opportunity for life transformation. And I am here to tell you again this morning that Jesus still desires to have a face-to-face encounter with every person for a life transformation. You see, Jesus came and he, he lived as a, as a human for those 33 years. He, he suffered and he, he, he experienced so much and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven so that he could give us the, the, the power, the opportunity to be transformed. We're not having to stumble through this life alone, but rather he desires. We we will not see him face to face until we get to heaven, his literal face, but we can still have the encounters that people experienced here in God's word, we can still experience today. And there's one of those here in Luke chapter 8. If you're there, look down to verse 26. Verse 26 of Luke 8 reads this way. They that is, Jesus and his disciples, they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. Now just stop there in your reading for a moment. The Gerasene region, this is just a, a point of, of geography, the Gerasene region uh, was a non-Jewish area on the northeastern corner of the Sea of Galilee, a large inland lake. Uh, It was a non-Jewish area. It was away from where Jesus and the disciples would usually be found. This was not a place that was frequented by Jewish people because it was Gentile or non-Jewish. Then Jews tended to stay away from that particular area. But the previous night's storm, you can read about it a little bit later on. It's in that story just preceding what, what we just read. That, that, that previous night's storm, which by the way was the one that Jesus quieted with a word, right? He said, peace, be still. That storm, that storm had apparently blown them off course into this region where Jewish people did not usually go. Yet they weren't there by accident. That's really important. They were not there by accident because Jesus had a greater purpose. Now let me just bring that to you and me for a moment. Have you ever gone through a storm of some sort? Not a not a little. Well, you've gone through the other, the literal kind as well. But have you ever gone through a difficult time and suddenly found yourself where you didn't want to be, (laughs) or where you never thought you'd be? 
Sometimes the storms of life take us to places we never thought we'd be doing things we never thought that we would be doing. And it's not because of something that we did, but because of just things that happened to us. I got some good news for you. If you find yourself in a place that you never thought you'd be doing something you never thought that you would do because of some storm, God can use you there. And this is what happened here. So this is not by accident that they are there. One of the great true events of Jesus' life, one of the great face-to-face encounters happened in part because someone was blown off course. Verse 27 says this. When Jesus stepped ashore, got off the boat, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. Again, stop there. It says here that this man was demon-possessed, which means that fallen angels... Foul servants of Satan himself now lived within this man. He was inhabited by, possessed by demons. We, we, don't, we don't know, it doesn't give the back story. We don't know how it began. We don't know what started it. But at some point, in small ways, and it's almost always in small ways, this man opened himself to demonic activity. And the demons, these demons, now controlled him, and as we'll see here in a moment, or even beginning to see here in this verse, uh, these demons tormented him. This man was in absolute abject torment. Now before we move forward, I need to explain a couple of things about the demonic. The, the, the demonic continues to happen today. It still happens today. Demon possession did not stop in the first century. It didn't stop in the 10th century. It didn't stop in the last century. People are still today inhabited, controlled by, and tormented by demonic spirits. When we talk about the demonic, I often think of a quote by a man by the name of C.S. Lewis who died a lot of years ago, a man greatly used of God in, in his writing, C.S. Lewis said this, there are two equal and opposite errors regarding the demonic. Number one is to di- disbelieve in their existence. He said that's, that's, that's one error. One error is to disbelieve and say it doesn't happen. He said, but the equal and opposite error is there as well, and that is to believe, but to feel uh, an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And I've seen this with people, uh, both extremes, some saying, you know what, it doesn't happen, it never happened, and it certainly doesn't happen today. Or people who who are so interested in the demonic that they, they, they follow every kind of uh, uh, reference to it and it becomes bigger than what it was meant to be. But understand who demons are. They are fallen angels, they are spirits, and they dwell within people who give themselves over to it. Let me also be very clear before we proceed, and that is if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit is dwelling within you, you cannot be possessed by a demonic spirit. 
You cannot put the enemy spirit in the same body where the Holy Spirit is because to say that you can do that gives, each, gives the enemy equal credit and there are vastly, the, the enemy is vastly outnumbered, vastly outpowered, infinitely outpowered. So let me be very clear on that. Notice also, it says here, just in the verse that we read, it says this man lived among the tombs. Which is really not surprising because a preoccupation with death often indicates demonic activity. I have seen this. I've experienced this with, with people talking with, ministering to people who have, and there is often a great, uh, uh, a, a great preoccupation with death or death imagery. Whenever I see a, a great deal of death imagery, uh, bones, uh, skulls, those kinds of things, that, that, that sends off a little signal and it should send off a signal in our minds because that is not of God, that is of the devil. Jesus said, Satan comes to, in John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus made it very clear, I've, you've heard me quote this before, Jesus said Satan comes to steal and to kill, that's death, and to destroy. So when you see destruction and, and stealing and, and death on all of these different imagery, you, you, you understand that that is touching on the demonic. This is happening here. This is happening here, that it happened with this man. He's living among the tombs. It also says that he was naked. He cast off every article of clothing that was put on him. It says he could not be restrained. People tried to chain him, and he would break those chains, and he would throw those, those ties off or those chains off. He, he was supernaturally strung from this demonic, these demonic spirits. Other Gospels, not this one, but other Gospels, tell us that he screamed day and night. I can't imagine what that must have sounded like, but he, he screamed day and night, and it also re records that he cut himself with stones. He would slash himself. He would, he would gash himself. So the sight and the sound, and I'm pretty sure the smell of this man must have been absolutely appalling. And then it says something. I've preached from this a couple of times. I have read it many times, but once again, I noticed something that I, I saw something I had never noticed before. And it says he had been this way for a long time. For a long time, this man had experienced these things. For a long time. That means this, this didn't happen the previous day or the last couple of weeks, but for months and perhaps even years, he had been controlled by and tormented by these demonic spirits for a long time. What misery, what suffering, what, what an appalling sight that this man must have been. Later on in the, in the account, it refers to his home. We'll get to that, but later on it refers to his home. So there was probably a family. He was someone's son. He was probably someone's brother. Did you ever think about this? He was quite possibly someone's husband or someone's father. 
We think, we, we look at this person and, and, and we, don't, we don't go beyond him. We just go, this poor guy, he's out there and he's, he's in this absolute torment. But what about the family back home? Did you ever think about them? I had a close friend in college. His name was Ron. One time, Ron and I and several other guys were talking, and we lived in downtown Minneapolis, and we, we were talking about some homeless person that someone had encountered. And, and they, one person in the group, you know, kind of a mocking way, putting them down, the, the person on the street. And, and I noticed Ron got very quiet. And afterwards, I went up to him and I said, Ron, I noticed that when that discussion regarding persons who are homeless, bums on the street, I think was the words that were used, I said, I noticed you got pretty quiet. He says, yeah, he says, that cuts pretty close to home. He says, because my father, he referenced another city, he said, my father is a homeless person. My father walked away from the family and he's got such bondage in his life. My father lives on the streets. My father is a is a street person. You know, we, we, we often look at people who are in some kind of bondage, whether it's due to the demonic, or we, we, we look at them and we say, well, it has to do with their, maybe they're, they're, you know, in bondage to some kind of substance abuse, alcohol, or some kind of drug. We, we look at some person who's absolutely bound in some kind of a perversion, and we look at them and we go, oh man, they are in a difficult place, but yeah, what about their family? What about the people back home? I wonder how they were suffering. I wonder when, what, what they thought about when they heard that their father, brother, husband, son was screaming again up in the cemetery. Some of you have family members who are in absolute bondage to something. And the suffering that they're going through is very real, but you also feel their suffering, don't you? You, you know that unique pain. It's easy to dismiss someone by labeling them as, well, there's that crazy person or that addict or that lunatic or that mental case it's easy to only look at the outer behavior or the outer appearance and fail to look at the inner agony or the agony of those back home. But I assure you, this man, his, his name is not given, but this man had absolute inner agony. And there was probably someone back home who was also experiencing a different kind of agony. Verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. I want you to notice this man's statement, or the demons who were within him, their statement. The demons knew who Jesus was. They, 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 they said, you are, you are Jesus, the Son of the Most High. I mean, you think of it from this, the demon's perspective. 
they weren't expecting him, but all of a sudden, because of a storm blown off course, Jesus gets off the boat, and they recognize who he is. Did you know that these demons recognize some things about Jesus that some people still won't accept about Jesus? The demonic recognizes that this is Jesus. His name is Jesus. These demons were aware that he was around. They were aware. They'd been informed that he'd been born some years ago. They had been told about, about how, how Satan had confronted Jesus in the wilderness sometime before this. They knew that he was around, but they didn't know that he was going to be front and center. And they were terrified of him. They were thinking, this is it. This is the end. We're going to be thrown into the abyss. But the man was drawn to Jesus. Yeah, I, I look at this. The demons were terrified of him, but I, the man, the man... This wreck of a man was drawn before him because instead of running away, he is now falling at the feet of Jesus. Notice it says, the man fell at Jesus' feet. Picture that in your minds, would you? He fell at Jesus' feet. This demon-possessed, tomb-dwelling, night-screaming, skin-cutting wreck of a man did not know that falling at the feet of Jesus was the beginning of his deliverance. Get that. Write that down. Falling at the feet of Jesus was the very beginning of his deliverance. If, if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks or you've been watching or listening to the message, uh, you, you know that a couple of weeks ago we looked at another face-to-face encounter, and that was back in Luke chapter 5. The man who had leprosy, he too, if you remember, he too was at the feet of Jesus. So close that Jesus, it says, reached out and touched him. I point that out, and you'll see this again, people at the feet of Jesus, but I point that out because This man, whether he realized it or not, was in a position of life transformation. And and that place of life transformation was not going to be on another hillside, was not going to be on the other side of the lake, that the, the place of transformation and the place of deliverance was at the very feet of Jesus. He was at Jesus' feet. Face-to-face encounters with the Son of God are the beginning of deliverance. We place ourselves in a position of deliverance from God. You know, so often there are people that are bound by something. It may be demonic, it may be something else. But there are so many people who are bound in so many ways, but they, they, they fail to understand that, that, that the place that we're going to find our deliverance is not at the feet of another person. It's not going to be found at the feet of another uh, entity or another uh, idea. But the, the, the absolute deliverance and freedom and eternal life can only be found at the feet of Jesus Christ. That's where it's going to happen. And so whether you're, if you're here this morning, you're listening, and you're thinking, man, I've got so many issues, start at the feet of Jesus. Just go there. Fall before him and say, here I am. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. All of it. Here, here I am. But let me tell you, let me, let me warn you, the enemy of our souls will try to keep you from falling before Jesus. The enemy of our soul, Satan himself, does not want you at the feet of Jesus. He'll have you any other place, but not at the feet of Jesus. 
Satan will tell you that action or that belief is normal, that there's nothing wrong with it. There are many things that today are no longer considered wrong, but the Bible still says it's wrong. And as long as the Bible says it's wrong, it's still wrong and it must be confessed. But if the enemy can convince a person that what that is is normal or that there's nothing wrong with it, then there will never be deliverance from it. But when we fall at the feet of Jesus in all of our mess, he meets us there, that face-to-face encounter. How about this lie? You can handle it. It's all right. <laughs> just manage your demons. You know, um, just get some clothes that won't tear apart and be thrown off. <laughs> Make sure that when, when, you know, just manage it. You got cutting, okay, then, then clean it up so it doesn't get infected. Or, or, or you're screaming, at the, then drink honey and lemon. I don't know. We try and manage these things. We deal with these symptoms and we, we deal with those rather than falling at the feet of Jesus and saying, I can't fix myself, I can't handle myself. How about this lie? Jesus won't accept you. You're such a wretched person. You have experienced this for so long, done so many things, that Jesus will not allow you at his feet. Maybe you just need to get yourself cleaned up and fixed up first before you fall at his feet. No, you just come to him in all of our mess and we fall at his feet. You have to understand that Satan will lie to us and those things keep us from face-to-face encounters with Jesus. And so I, I'm imploring you this morning that if there, if, 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 if there is some kind of bondage, if there is some kind of of stronghold in your life, whatever it might be, deliverance begins at the feet of Jesus. Fall before him. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a conditional statement. If you conf- All you have to do is confess. Fall at your feet and say, here I am. I'm a mess, did it again, forgive me, cleanse me, but I'm wretched, I'm lost, here I am. But it says here, if we confess it, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. John chapter 6 verse 37 says this, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Think of that, here's this demoniac, this wreck of a person but Jesus said in John 6 37 whoever comes to me I will never drive away you can find that here I'm no no account will you find Jesus saying you know what you're a mess leave whoever comes to me I will never drive away falling at Jesus's feet is the beginning of deliverance. If you, or uh, if if you are in some kind of fall at His feet, if you have a loved one who is in absolute bondage, then you need to pray. Oh God, may they fall at Your feet. Jesus, may they fall at Your feet. May they spare their life, but break them and bring them to the feet of Jesus, because there's deliverance at the feet of Jesus. I know this. I've experienced it. Back to Luke chapter seven. Verse 30, Jesus asked him, what is your name? (laughs) Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. Again, a word of explanation. 
the, the word legion is a number more than a name. Roman legions meant thousands. So this man was a mess. He doesn't have one or two demons. He has potentially thousands of demons within him. This guy is like, like he's bad. Talk about torment. This man is absolutely, profoundly consumed with demons. But it didn't matter to Jesus. He's the son of God. Jesus had encountered Satan himself, and Jesus had prevailed, so no legion of demons were going to intimidate him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 31, the demons begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. They're they, they thinking, no, this is, this is the end. This is the end. Like, they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Don't throw us into the abyss. A large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. I love that last line. And he gave them permission. Who's in charge here? Jesus. Two times it references in that text that we just read, two times it references that they begged him. And Jesus gave them permission. Wouldn't you love to see how he did that? I, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't record his words if he said anything. I think he just went like this. He gave him permission. Who's in charge? The Son of God. The Son of God. The Son of God is in charge. All demons, we sang about it this morning, demons have to flee at the name of Jesus. Who's in charge? Jesus was in charge. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says that our struggle, let's bring it to us now, says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers of a dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 6, 12 essentially tells us that we have to stop battling according to the, the human methodology because what we're ultimately battling against is not a person or even another entity, but rather it is against, or, or some human entity, ultimately it is against a spiritual entity and we must battle in spiritual ways. The battles that we encounter are demonic often demonic in nature, and we must battle against them in spiritual ways. That's why the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, that the body of Christ, that followers of Jesus, that they do not battle in the way that the world battles, but rather we must battle in spiritual ways. How, what are the ways? Well, the Word of God. Again, in in, in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4, the two different accounts of the same event when Jesus was tempted by Satan himself, every time, three occasions, every time Jesus responded with the word of God. He quoted scripture to him. Why did he do that? Number one, because the word is powerful. And number two, to give us an example. I'm going to say it again. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, but you are not in the Word, and the Word is not in you, you are going to be perpetually pushed around by the enemy. How do we defeat the works of the enemy? With the power of the Word of God. we got to be in this every day. 
getting excited now. I, I know, I, man, I, it seems like I'm just hitting this. I've, I've heard that, I think I may reference this even next week, but I've heard that like things like, like uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix, that there, there are unprecedented amounts of people who are binge-watching. Have you heard binge-watching in these last three or four months? People are trying to be distracted by so many things. You know what? We need to, we need to if we're going to binge on something, do it on God's Word. Spend time in God. Satan doesn't want you in it, but I'll tell you what, there's power in God's Word. That's, that's a spiritual way. How about, the, how about prayer? <laughs> have you prayed about it? Have you committed it to the Lord in prayer? Have you, have you according to the Word of God, with, with supplication, supplication and thanksgiving, brought your request to God? Have you, have you brought your, your needs to the Lord? Are you going to worry about it? Are you going to toil about it? Or are you going to give it to Him? Say, Lord, here it is. Here I am again. Spirit-filled prayer. Boy, we need, talk about spiritual weapons. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be consumed by the Holy Spirit. We need to be empowered and directed by the Holy Spirit. And so often we think that we can do this in our own strength. You can't. You absolutely cannot. But when we are filled with the Spirit of God, when we have the Word of God in our hearts, in our minds, and on our, in our mouths, then powerful things happen. I'm going to add this one, being connected with other believers. I'm going to be very clear on this. The enemy wants you disconnected from every other believer in this world. He will try to single you out. Why? Because he understands that there is power when people gather together in his name. And I'm not talking about just here in this building. <coughs> he wants you in fellowship with other Christians. You were, you were never meant, you were never, you're not wired to go this alone. You're stronger if you are in connection with other Christians. That's how it's supposed to, that's how we, you, you want to battle against the enemy? This is how you do it. And you must know, you must know this as well. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then in his name, you have the authority to do what Jesus did. Let me say that again. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and he's dwelling within you, then you, my friend, have my brother or sister, you have the ability and you have the authority to do what Jesus did in his name. When Jesus sent out his followers, just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus said this, these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. Do not be afraid of the demonic. Because if Jesus is within you, then he is greater than the one who is within this world. You don't need to fear the enemy. Don't fear the enemy. He has power. Respect it, but don't fear it because Jesus is infinitely greater. And if Jesus is in you, then you have the authority in his name to drive out demons. So Jesus gave his permission. I don't know how he did. Jesus gave his permission. Verse 33 says, When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. The herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And that must have been something to see. And it shows us, it shows us how Satan and everything associated with him will be destroyed. I got some really good news for you today. There's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, glorious day when Satan and all that is associated with him will be 
placed into the abyss, and we will never have to deal with him again. Glory to God. I look forward to that day. But until then, God gives us the authority over the enemy. My favorite part is verse 34, beginning with verse 34 and into verse 35. It says this, When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, that is the townspeople, when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they, that is the townspeople, were now afraid. Picture that, right? Just not too long before, here's this guy who's absolutely out of his gourd. He is destructive. He is self-destructive. He is crazy. He cannot be rationed with. He can't be conversed with. He's screaming. He's, he's a horrendous sight. And just a short time later, because he was at the feet of Jesus and Jesus delivered him, now I love what it says here. He's sitting at, he now, now he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, <laughs> Uh, I want to see that picture someday. Here's how I picture it. He's, he's sitting there, and, and it doesn't record this, so I want to be careful, but Jesus never met a disease that he didn't want to heal. I think all the cuts on his body were healed. You see, Jesus has the power to do that. And he's sitting there, and he's clothed. I don't know where they got the clothes. Somebody said, hey, you know, give me your tops and, and give me, you got an extra one and let's wrap this around him. But he's sitting there and, and now he's not tearing it off, but he's, he's sitting there and, and, and it says, and he was in his right mind. His mind is right. His eyes are clear. Before, he couldn't even focus. His eyes shifted from left to right, up and down. He, he couldn't, he was, they rolled back in his head. He could not he could not control himself, but now he's in his right mind, and he's sitting there. I picture him like this, his hands folded on his lap, one leg folded over the other. And you know where he's looking? He's not looking, he's not looking over the hillside at the pigs. <laughs> you know where he's looking? Where's he looking? Come on, where's he looking? He's looking at Jesus. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? <laughs> That's where the hope came from. That's where the deliverance came from. He's sitting at Jesus' feet. We sang it this morning. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Whom the Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. That song had not yet been written, but I believe he spoke those things. I'm a child of God, and I am who you say. Do you know that for the rest of his life, he probably carried the title, oh, you're the guy, the crazy guy who lived up in the tombs. He goes, he, yeah, yeah, that was me. But let me tell you the rest of the story. People will often remember us as how we were. But Jesus sees us as how we are. The external change, right? Sitting, uh, uh, clothed in his right mind, conversational, focused. The external change reflected an internal change. You see, so often we try to fix people from the outside in. Clean them up. You know, if we just give this person a good haircut, boy, they'll be fine. If, if, we, just, if we just put some new clothes on them, they'll be fine. 
If we just put them in a new environment, if we just educate them a little more, if we just instruct, instruct them on proper etiquette, they'll be fine. But Jesus does it differently. He transforms us, and the outside is ultimately changed because the inside of us is changed. Now, I know this is a long message, but there's one more thing to this true story. And it's in verse 38. Verse 38 says this, The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus often did this. You can read through the accounts, the gospel accounts. Jesus often did this. He sent transformed people back home so that others could see what God had done and what God could do. He sent him home not just because he needed a place to stay. He sent him home so that he could tell and show others what God had done, and more importantly, what God could do. So I have some really important news for you. If you have been delivered this morning, in fact, I need your help here. If you have been delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you have been delivered by the Son of God from something, if that is you this morning, say amen. Yeah. And I would say that would be most of you. You've been delivered from, from something by the power of God. But here's the important thing. You were not delivered just to be delivered, but to take the message of deliverance to someone who needs it. And it's not just about us. Whoo, I'm cleaned up. Go back and I don't, I don't know what he did. Maybe a watchmaker. I don't know what he did. No, they didn't have those yet. He didn't go back and just resume life. He told people about Jesus. He told people about Jesus. Oh, what Jesus did in me, Jesus can do for you. you. Oh, I'm really bad. You're bad. I had a couple thousand demons inside of me. You think you're a hot mess? I was a hot mess. <laughs> I've been struggling this for a long time. It's just, I've really been carrying this a long time. A long time. I lived in the cemetery for years. Now i got some things to be really ashamed about. I don't know if Jesus can help me. Ashamed about? I was the nude guy up in the cemetery. Well, I've hurt myself and I've hurt others. Don't tell me about that. Let me tell you about the one who can set you free. See, Jesus delivers us so that we can be agents of his deliverance to other people. It's not just about us. It's about him. It's about others. Face-to-face -face encounter. At the beginning of the message, I said that these face-to-face -face encounters aren't simply to be a matter of um, history or a wonderful story or the basis even of a message, but it's so that we can encounter and experience today what people experienced then. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to open up these altars. And um, I, want you to, uh, I want you to do something. Remember I mentioned earlier how he was at the feet of Jesus, which put him in a place of deliverance. Um, it, 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 it was something that was important to do. And this morning, I want you to put yourself into a place of deliverance. 
Now, please understand, I'm not saying that this is only the deliverance place, but I, I, I do know that when we say, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to step out in faith, and, and I'm going to do something that I did not plan on doing as a demonstration of my faith in you. And uh, we're going to sing this song that I just referenced that we, that we sang earlier. And, and uh, uh, as we begin to sing this, uh, we're going we're gonna to close in prayer. I'm going to do that here in a moment. And if you need to go, just go, all right? There will not be any formal closing beyond this. But uh, uh, we want to open up these altars for, for two things. Number one, if, if there, there's something that you want to bring and just leave at the feet of Jesus uh, and say, Lord, this, is, this, this, this thing has been, has been a part of my life for just, you know, too long. Uh, and, and today I want to give it to you and I want to confess it to you. And I'm, I want a face-to-face encounter with you, and I, I want to be set free. It, then come and just, just come to these. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can sit on one of these pews, but I want you to move. Um, secondly, some of you have family members or close friends, people that are very close to you, who are also in bondage right now. And the Holy Spirit, uh, I believe, has already or will bring to your mind someone that you need to pray for. You, you know who they are. They're a hot mess. And, and maybe they were a lot like you at one time, but you, 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 would you do this as well? Would you step forward as well and just spend some time around these altars and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to intercede for them. I'm going to pray for them and for their deliverance as well. And, and so would, would you do that this morning? And, and there, there, there will be other, some other needs. There are going to be a couple of the pastors up here to pray with you. Uh, and so if you have another need, maybe you'd like to be a, uh, prayed for healing. There'll be people here to pray over you. But we're, we're just going to, we're just going to turn this. So when you're done, when you're done praying or, or uh, you need to go out, just feel free. But give me kind of a little bit of a soft closing. Would you stand here with me this morning? This morning, if you're here with us and you've been watching live stream, I'm very grateful that you've been with us as well. And we want you to, to connect there with the, the directions that are on the screen. We, we want you to, to make some kind of a uh, connection with us as well. Uh, before we go any further, I want to pray. Is there anyone here today uh, who, who would, would say, I, I want to receive Jesus. I, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I, I have to give this opportunity. This is where the transformation begins. Is there anyone here? If, if, you're, if you're watching uh, via live stream, we want you to connect as well. And if you gave your heart to Jesus today, please let us know. We want to get some information to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the ways in which your, your word has spoken to us this day. Lord, I am so grateful. I am so grateful for the power that you have demonstrated to us on a garrison hillside, a man's a wretched man was transformed. He was transformed. And Lord, he could say what we just sang, I am chosen, I am not forsaken, I am who you say I am. We, we can declare as he did and others will that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. Lord, this is my desire for every person here, every person listening. And I pray, Jesus, that life transform, life transformation will happen here in these moments ahead. 
thank you, Lord. As we make our way out of this building eventually and as we go, may your Holy Spirit go before us. May there be absolute, use us in, in wonderful ways, Lord, to take this message to those who need it. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you this morning. I was lost, but he brought